everyone, welcome to Don't Call Me a Guru. I'm your host, Linda Huang, and today we'll be talking about social media in journalism and politics. Don't Call Me a Guru is recording at Nate's radio studio in Edmonton, Alberta, and we're a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. If you like what you hear, please rate this podcast five stars and talk about us on social media. So we'll get right into the conversation. Our guest today is Canadian Senator Paula Simons, who is also a former journalist of 30 years. She can be found on Twitter at politics. And I'm just going to I'm going to let you talk about, you know, more. more I'm just going to I'm just going to throw it over to you, Paula. Can you? Uh, that's, a, that's a dangerous thing. <laughs> You've got, you know, there's no time limit. We can do a two hour podcast. About the- <laughs> uh, can you talk about how you use social media as a journalist, columnist for the Edmonton Journal um, and just how you use social media in general? Your 10 year Twitter anniversary was not that long ago. Yes, yes. 10 years on Twitter, March, uh, March 2009. So I always like to give the credit or the blame to my former colleague, Trisha Dett, who is a good deal younger than I am. <laughs> and at the time, we were both working at the Alberta legislature uh, when Ed Stelmack was premier. So she was a reporter and I was a columnist uh, covering provincial affairs. And we were very engrossed in a debate over a piece of legislation called Bill 44, which had to do with um, recognizing uh, same-sex orientation as a grounds for protection in Alberta Human Rights Code. But also, the uh, the proviso was that in order to accept uh, equality for uh, LGBTQT people, um, Ted Morton, who was a very conservative member of the government, wanted them to add a clause putting parental rights in, which would, in theory, allow parents to pull their kids out of class if there was any talk about sexuality. Uh, you see these stories, it's 10 years ago, and we're still kind of in the I, same I'm, place. Yeah, I'm but, like, this sounds very familiar. <laughs> so this was a this was a very big hot button issue. And our website was still a fairly new thing. We were trying to figure out how do we cover these debates that are going late into the night till two, three o'clock in the morning on this really contentious legislation. And Trish told me about this new thing that they, that the kids were on called <laughs> Twitter. Um, and she set me up a Twitter account and we came up with my cute handle. It's very cute. Politics, which I've had all these <laughs> 10 years. And I started live tweeting the debate on Bill 44. And people listened. I would stay up till two in the morning watching, the, you know, the ledge debates from from you know from my computer at home with my husband saying, "Are you ever coming to bed, dear?" <laughs> uh, and and I got hooked. You were hooked. I was absolutely hooked because you haven't I, been to bed since. <laughs> So, I mean, back then, the Twitter community in Edmonton was very small, Mm -hmm. but all of the people who were on it were very socially engaged and politically aware. And so I had a built-in audience, and all of a sudden, I was one of the cool kids. And I I must assure you that in the whole course of my life, I was never never one of the cool kids. (laughs) And so here I was in this space where I got automatic response. I mean, when I started working for the newspaper, we got, you know, angry phone calls or people would write letters and put them in envelopes, lick them shut, put stamps on them, take them to the mailbox. And a week later, you'd find out what somebody thought about a piece that you'd written. And here I was getting reaction in real time, in real, real time. And it forever changed the way that I did journalism because I could suddenly reach out to and connect with readers instantly Mm -hmm. and intimately in a way that a newspaper column and a paper didn't allow. And I think something else 
that was different about the way I evolved using social media than a lot of other media people in big centers like Toronto. So, I mean, if you're Andrew Coyne, Tabitha Southey, the big name marquee columnists from mm-hmm. the from the big Ontario newspapers, the Toronto newspapers and the Ottawa papers, they, you know, they know each other. They're friends. And so when they're on Twitter, they're talking to one another. And I think often they're like performing and we watch the performance. We're the audience. Right, there's still a barrier there. Right. But when I started on Twitter in Edmonton, it was a very different universe. I mean, there were not... 50 other newspaper columnists on Twitter. There was me. There was Dave Cornwayer. There was Mac Mail. I don't even know if Kiki Planet was, I don't know when Kathleen got on Twitter precisely. But it was it was a lot of talking. I mean, you know, I guess Adam Rosenhart was on Twitter. I mean, there were a few early adopters, yep. mostly, you know, much younger than I was, <laughs> and me. So I couldn't, I mean, if I only wanted to talk to other media personalities? You couldn't. Couldn't. And I like to talk to people. Yeah. So I started talking to the people who were on Twitter. Uh, I the started, regular people. The, re- I mean, the, 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 <laughs> the you know, readers. The, your readers. You know, the, the real people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I think it forever gave me a very different approach to the way I use Twitter because I think for a lot of other journalists, it was to diffuse their material. Mm-hmm. You know, they would write a column. They would link to the column. They would, you know, offer some analysis. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have conversations with people. And that was what I loved about the medium was how electric it was, how um, supple it was that I could be talking to people all over the place. I mean, World Wide Web actually felt not just like a stupid metaphor. It was but, true. But it was true. I mean, we were all interconnected. Uh, and that was that was how I started 10 years ago. And then I got onto Facebook a couple of years later, there was a bit of a lag because, frankly, I didn't quite get the point of Facebook. I liked Twitter, a place you could go to fight with people. Um, <laughs> and Facebook seemed not my thing. And then I had another mentor, a social media mentor, Carrie Powell, mm-hmm. who's now a big poobah with Global, mm-hmm. but at the time was working with me at the Edmonton Journal. She's a little bit younger than me, not as much younger <laughs> as, as Trish. And and Carrie said to me, you know, you need to be on Facebook. And I was like, oh. Need to be on Facebook, and she said yes. She said there are all kinds of people who only get their news from Facebook. From Facebook. And at the time, this was like the most radical concept. Like, I had no, I had no template for this this paradigm. Right. And I was like, who gets their news from Facebook? And she said, <laughs> stay at home moms um, <laughs> in the suburbs, and we don't have enough of them reading the paper. Yeah. So you need to be on Facebook. And and so then yes, I did join Facebook. Uh, a couple of years after I was on Twitter. And I learned really quickly that I think a lot of journalists have misunderstood the power of Facebook. Oh, absolutely. I think they still, like, you know, like I was initially, they're, Twitter more. they're, they're like Twitter snobs. Yeah. But Facebook, it doesn't give you that instant adrenaline surge that Twitter does, but it's much more viral. So if I post something on Facebook that really sparks a conversation, Mm -hmm. it will reach far more people on Facebook and you can have far deeper conversations. Yeah, very insightful comments. Yeah. So from from the beginning, I used them both quite differently. Mm -hmm. Twitter to cover breaking news, Twitter for the sort of the lightning lightning round analysis, Mm -hmm. and Facebook to curate more uh, community conversation. And so I think, you know, a lot of businesses, media people – I think have overlooked the potential of Facebook mm-hmm. for that kind of community building, and so I'm, I'm really happy to have both in my in my toolbox. I did. I do actually remember when I 
click to, oh, Paula's on Facebook as well, or she's posting on Facebook too, because I, I had only really seen you active on Twitter for a long time. And then I remember I, I clicked into some random post that you shared uh, on Facebook, and I was like, whoa, there's hundreds of shares, <laughs> hundreds of comments. I'm like, where did this come from? <laughs> Uh, and and that I think always reminds me as well to your point like if you're in business if you're a media person if you're just an individual social media um, person that that there is so much potential for discussion uh, for your post on Facebook to go far-reaching um, even more so than on Twitter and I and I and I distinctly remember being shocked because <laughs> I didn't realize that wow Paula's a big deal on Facebook well you know and the thing is it's it's quite a different demographic so mm-hmm. you know I like to say on Twitter, I'm followed by a lot of young men. <laughs> In real life, I'm not often followed by young men, more, more's the pity. But, uh, you know, my Facebook audience skews a little bit older, a little more female than my Twitter audience. Uh, so it's a, it's a different milieu. Sometimes I post the same kind of material on both platforms. But sometimes, you know, there's stuff on Facebook that's never going to be on Twitter and vice versa. And I have to say, when I moved to the Senate in October... I knew for certain I was going to keep Twitter. Mm-hmm. I mean, at that point, I had 45,000 Twitter followers. I wasn't giving them away. Yeah. But I didn't know if I was going to keep Facebook because I thought, oh, what if it becomes troll infested? Right. And so I didn't post for a while. And then I, I missed it. And so I came back and I said to everybody, hey, <laughs> I've been away. Here, here I am back. <laughs> and here's the deal. You know, I want to keep this Facebook page going, but I want to keep it, you know, the kind of... Respectful. Yeah, exactly. Thoughtful dialogue. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, the kind of platform, the kind of community that, that I'd spent years building up. Mm-hmm. And I said to everybody, okay, so you have to promise me that A, you'll be good. And B, <laughs> if you see new people coming here who don't understand how we behave on this page. <laughs> we that, have page rules. We have page, page rules. We have, we have a page culture um, <laughs> that you will help me to discipline them. And so they're, they're quite wonderful, right? I mean, it's really quite a- Self-moderating. It's a self-moderating I thing that. because I, I, I sometimes feel a little bit guilty when people come on and go, you know, Paula Simons, what an idiot. And then, you know, a hundred people say, no, we love Paula. We're Paula fans. You've come to the the Paula Simons fan page. Uh, And so it's, it's quite wonderful because if I've been having a bad day in the Senate, you know, uh, look there for a little boost. (laughs) Get my little love bomb from Facebook. It's, it's very soothing to the soul. I like that. But you treat, um, you know, you treat what you're posting or maybe how you're phrasing it or approaching it a little differently depending on the platform that you're using. Yeah. Different audience, different platform, different medium. I mean, McLuhan is right. The medium is the message. And so those two platforms are taken in and perceived very differently by people. Mm -hmm. So do you ever recall, so I remember, so I'm a former journalist as well uh, for listeners who may not know, but I do recall when I was working in newsrooms, it was always at least at the time that I was working in newsrooms, it was quite a battle to get my colleagues uh, to consider tweeting, to get my colleagues <laughs> to consider using social media. Um, <laughs> I was—I always felt like I was trying to convince them, and they weren't quite there. Now, totally different. You know, I yeah, think it's yeah. Yeah, very different now. Um, but do you recall being, you know, wary of it, or that first night you were hooked and you were convinced, and there was? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think because I was over with Trish at the ledge. At, you know, in our in our offices in the in the press gallery, and sort of separated from the newsroom. Uh, perhaps I think that was liberating and freeing. I wasn't. I didn't have. I literally didn't have an editor looking over my shoulder. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I think perhaps I I felt more experimental and more entrepreneurial yes. there. And I always thought, well, if I don't like this, I'll just stop. 
uh, you know, I guess that's how people feel when they start smoking. But, uh, <laughs> and then you realize you can't stop. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I, I don't think I was, I was probably not as intimidated as I ought to have been. Uh, <laughs> you didn't know what you were getting yourself. No, into. given given some of the scrapes I've been in. So you know, perhaps I. But it's funny what you say because now I'm having that same parallel experience that you described in the Senate. Convincing. Because yeah. some senators, <laughs> it's really interesting. I sit sort of two over from this fabulous guy named Pierre Delfon, who is a former judge from Quebec, uh, a very distinguished jurist, a very distinguished gentleman. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's courtly. He's just any, and, you know, a, an intellectual. And he watched me live tweeting the debate about whether or not we should order the postal workers back to right. work. And he was absolutely fascinated. And his young staffers came to me and said, so, so Senator Delfon has asked us to put Twitter on his on his laptop. (laughs) And so now he's tweeting and he tweets completely differently than I do. First of all, it's primarily in French. I mean, some of his tweets are in English because he's he's bilingual, but French is his first language. But he, you know, he's tweeting very, you know, sort of erudite, analytical uh, discussion of things. And it's brilliant. And it's so wonderful. And I think I've been such a great bad influence oh, that's so on this, great. on this you know, distinguished, distinguished, distinguished thoughtful what gentleman. What is a Twitter? That's yeah. right. <laughs> so I've, I've seduced him over to the dark side. Um, so it's it's been fun to see um, some of my tweeting has been inspirational for some of my colleagues. And I, like I think that. some of my colleagues think I'm mad. Uh, I have no idea why I would want to do this. So <laughs> it, it, it's, it's been interesting to see the range of responses. How would you say, um, you know, you sort of mentioned it, now you have this immediate uh, pulse uh, to your audience or you get immediate feedback for the work that you're doing. But um, in terms of what you were doing um, as a journalist and then maybe now even as a senator, how uh, would you say social media has changed the work? Well, I mean, it changed my work as a journalist profoundly. I mean, it was, you know, I got story tips. I got story ideas. Uh, I mean, some of the most important work I did as a journalist grew out of those connections I made on social media. I think a lot of people, I hope, will remember the series, the long series of stories I wrote over the course of a couple of years about the death of a little girl named Serenity mm-hmm. who who died um, uh, after I have to be careful. This case is now before the courts. Yes. Um, it was a terrible. It was a terrible child abuse case mm-hmm. that that I uncovered basically, and that came because of Facebook. What happened was uh, the child and youth advocate had written a report about the death of a child. He didn't identify the child by name. He didn't say when this had happened or where it had happened. Um, he's his. The rules that he has to work with are very strict mm-hmm. in terms of protecting privacy. And so I wrote a column in response to his, you know, his important but still a little bit bare bones report. Mm-hmm. And after I wrote and posted the column on Facebook, uh, Facebook in Alberta, I don't know about other provinces, but here uh, the penetration in the indigenous community is really extraordinary. Um, communities where people often didn't have telephones once upon a time, everybody is on Facebook. Facebook yeah. And so I posted this column on Facebook and I got a lot of response, but one of the responses came from an indigenous woman who said, you know, you're an idiot and you don't know anything about the facts of this case. I mean, she put it more nicely. Paraphrasing. She, she, put it, she, put it, she put it more kindly than that, but that was, <laughs> but that was the gist. And right. I said... You know, and instead of, you know, blocking her or getting angry, I thought, well, this sounds like she knows more about this than I do. And so I said to her, you know, well, like, do you know about this? You know, can you send me 
So some more. So she then, you know, we ca- talked on private messaging back and forth on Facebook, and it turned out that she was a cousin of the dead child's mother, mm-hmm. and put me in touch uh, with Serenity's mom, who was not living in Alberta at the time, uh, and I connected with her initially on Facebook, and we had a bunch of conversation on Facebook back and forth until she felt comfortable enough yeah. to share Serenity's medical records with me and the court documents, and uh, and that case. That case and that story electrified the province, uh, changed public policy around uh, child welfare. None of that would have happened if I hadn't been on Facebook and if I hadn't been connected to to, to people in the indigenous community mm-hmm. uh, because I think the, the, the auntie who saw my post wasn't one of my regular Facebook people, but a friend of hers was. Yeah. So somebody she knew shared my post. She saw my post. She got me in touch with Serenity's mom. And so, you know... Before Facebook, I would never have had that story, no. and that and that and that child's death would never have been made public, and I don't right. think I don't think charges would have ever been laid. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it it became fundamental and foundational to the way we all did journalism. I mean, I used to joke that there's a an unfortunate Venn diagram overlap between narcissistic jerks who post pictures of themselves with their guns and camo on Facebook and people who commit horrible murders. So, you know, it was a very dark joke in the newsroom that when that horrible murder happened, you could almost inevitably find out that... You could guess that that their profile picture... Yeah, yeah, that the accused would not have his privacy settings on. Uh, And so, you know, you could could very quickly learn a tremendous amount about an accused or, or sadly, about a victim. Um, So it became really essential to the way we did our work. Now, as a politician, it presents different challenges, especially Mm -hmm. for me as a senator. Um, You know, I I had a a student, I was speaking to a a communications theory class at uh, the University of Ottawa a couple of weeks ago, and somebody asked me in the class if I felt more or less free (laughs) than I was before. And of course, I'm in a I've been in two very rare, peculiar, wonderful circumstances. First of all, the whole time I was on Twitter, I was a columnist. Yeah. So, so I was allowed. Opinions are welcome. That's right. I was allowed to have opinions. <laughs> I didn't have to have any pretense of objectivity. I didn't have to pull my punches. Right. Um, you know, people, people say, well, that's just your opinion. I would say. Like, that's right. Yes. Yes. That's literally my job. That is, that is, <laughs> that is what they pay me for. Um, well, now as a senator, I mean, if I were a member of a government, a cabinet, um, I would have to worry about cabinet confidentiality. I would have to worry mm-hmm. about, you know, uh, party loyalty. I'm an independent senator. So first of all, I belong to no party. I know this is hard for some of you to believe and understand, <laughs> but it's true. Um, She's independent. <laughs> I'm independent. I'm not a liberal. I'm not a conservative. I'm not a new Democrat. I'm an independent senator. So I don't have a party whip. I don't belong to a caucus. Uh, nobody tells me, you know, how to vote or what to say. Mm-hmm. And I'm appointed until I'm 75. And Which is so, still many, 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 many years Many, many, many years from now. <laughs> more than 20. It is more than 20 years from now. Um, so, um, uh, yes. So, yeah, I have tremendous freedom on Twitter. That said, uh, there are certain things about 
politics and prudence and tactics. Mm-hmm. I got myself into a lot of hot water. Uh, some people who are real political junkies will know this this week that um, that I tweeted some things that I thought were in the public domain and others felt were covered by privilege and that I wasn't supposed to be tweeting them. We're still debating. We're still figuring that which, which out. Which, yes. but, uh, but I have apologized because – you know, something I learned from Ralph Klein, apologize early and often. Um, and then, good, uh, then people, people move on. Skill, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> so, but, you know, I honestly didn't think I was doing anything wrong. I thought I thought I was fine. Uh, but this is what happens because uh, what happened, I, I won't belabor the issue because the issue is not really the point. Mm-hmm. The point is, this, this is the teachable moment, uh, all of you out there listening. Yes. For, call me a guru. Please go ahead. So here's, <laughs> Don't here, call me a guru. <laughs> so, here's, so, here's, so here's my advice. Don't tweet when you're angry and fresh off an airplane. Um, <laughs> so, so what happened was I got on an airplane in Ottawa to fly home and I put my phone in airplane mode and I watched oh, the- Oh no. I watched the- God, That always happens. I watched the Godfather <laughs> for two and a half hours. It was awesome. Got off the plane and found out that I was being- you know, there was like a troll army come right. come to get me oh, because they no. had misunderstood the way I had voted on something, or at least I thought they'd misunderstood it, that it had been mischaracterized. And so while I was waiting for my luggage, while I was in the taxi, I was frantically tweeting, no, no, this is what actually happened. Let me tell you what actually oh, happened. No. And while doing that, I appear to have crossed the line and tweeted things I wasn't supposed to tweet because I was upset. And it was, you know, like, you know, midnight, one in the morning, Ottawa time, and... <laughs> All these people were, you know, I was getting trolled very hard. There's some really, really ugly stuff that I actually had to turn over to Senate security. Um, And so my response to doing like damage control was perhaps more damaging than if I had followed my 22-year-old daughter's advice and just put the phone away and gone to bed. (laughs) So That's good advice. I don't – I'm not a drinker, so I don't drunk tweet. No. But but frantic tweeting – isn't going to get you anywhere. No, so this was... Take a step back. This is, you know, when when I was young, one of my dad's favorite books to read to me was the Berenstein Bears book, The Bicycle Lesson, where the father bear says to to brother bear, now this is what you should not do. Now let that be a lesson to you. So, <laughs> so now you know. Yeah, don't do that. Do, listeners at home, don't do that. <laughs> so we, uh, we'll talk more about trolls and, uh, you know, lovely trolls and, and other uh, ways that you use social media after a short ad break, which we'll take right now. Don't Call Me a Guru is brought to you by the Let's Do Coffee podcast, produced by the Maji Center for New Venture and Student Entrepreneurship at Nate. Each episode features an interview with a student entrepreneur or Nate alumnus talking about challenges, questions, and fears involved in operating their companies. Listen to the show at nate.ca slash Center. All right, so we are back with Senator Paula Simons former journalist of 30 years. You can follow her at politics on Twitter, Paula Simons on Facebook. Um, we've been talking about how you've used social media as a journalist and also how you're currently using it um, as a senator. You mentioned trolls before the ad break. <laughs> <laughs> the ants came marching one by one. <laughs> let's, let's talk about trolls. You know, all social media managers deal with trolls at some point. Um, as a columnist, 
sure people have disagreed with your opinion. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you share your experience uh, experience managing these comments that you're getting? Um, whether or not you, you know, did you have a plan for how you would manage negativity, positivity, and then, you know, to your point, very extreme views. Um, how, how do you approach that and advice for others? To All right. So one thing, like, you can encounter angry people who are not what I would call textbook trolls, who are just upset in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I've always found, I shouldn't say I've always found, I've often found mm -hmm. that if you respond to people in a civil way, like a person, oftentimes somebody who said something really quite awful, they're so stunned that you, you <laughs> respond. Like, I don't know if they think you're some kind of robot, yeah. but you know, that, that, that you're like a real person with, you know, actual humanity. And respect. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and oftentimes, I mean, my most successful, like the Twitter interactions that give me sort of the most feeling of satisfaction are if, if at the end they say, oh, well, okay, I still don't agree with you, but I really, you know, thank you for for this respectful conversation. Yeah. I mean, there's some really great moments I've had on Twitter. And sometimes I get my mind changed. I mean, sometimes, you know, I go, oh, well, thank you. I, yeah, I mean, I didn't I, think about it that, that way. You know, I mean, so <laughs> you can surprisingly often turn what seems like a very toxic interaction into something that's surprisingly positive. That is not always the case. When people <laughs> send me a cartoon of myself in a Nazi gas chamber, oh, um, you know, when people say, you know, wish for my death, it's very difficult to, to turn that into a positive thing. Sometimes I do this little passive aggressive thing where I'm super, super nice <laughs> in a way that if you knew me is clearly sarcastic. <laughs> but it's very hard to put your finger on where the sarcasm is. And I sort right. of perfected this when I still worked for the Edmonton Journal because I thought, what is somebody going to do? They're going to write to my boss and say, she said I was really thoughtful and she thanked me for my insight. <laughs> it's like, what do you want me to do? That's right. You know, right? <laughs> so, so, you know, sometimes I would say to people things, meaning clearly from context, the opposite of what I said. Right. But it's really hard to get mad if somebody's saying... I really want to thank you for your passionate engagement with this issue. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there is the mute button. The yes. mute, I, tr I really try not to block people. I really only block people who are beyond the pale. I mean, really extreme white supremacists, mm -hmm. really extreme racists, pornographic things, and especially like my, my rule used to try to be when I worked for the Edmonton Journal not to block people from Edmonton because it was sort of my duty. So similarly, I try not to block people from Alberta now that I'm an Alberta senator. Mm -hmm. The mute button, however, is, wonderful. is a wonderful thing. And sometimes you just need to mute people. Sometimes I need to mute people so that I will stop engaging. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it's the it's hard to put away the phone, but if yeah. you <laughs> mute them, yeah, you know, when, when my brother, who's now a senior partner with a prestigious downtown law firm in Edmonton, was little and he would chew with his mouth open and I would say that was disgusting. Stop and he would say, don't look. <laughs> so sometimes just the experience of having had an annoying little brother, like just sometimes I lack the discipline not to answer. Mm -hmm. And so I put people on mute for a day, a week, even a couple of hours, mm -hmm. sometimes longer. And then I'll, <laughs> un I'll, I'll, I'll unmute them, you know, just it, it's a measure of self discipline, or I guess it's a reflection of my lack of self discipline. Mm -hmm. But if I put them on mute and I can't see it, that I, I'm not, you know, the itch is not constantly scratched. That makes sense. Um, you know, I don't think in my whole time as a journalist there was ever a tweet that we had to call the police about. There were some, you know, there were some 
there were some like questionable you know ones. questionable on yeah. on on the on the edge death threaty kind of things that we did have police follow up. Right. Um, but ironically, I think those were old school. They came in you know in print. Right. Um, there were some disturbing ones, as I say, a couple of weeks ago, summer, and. Yeah. And, and I think um, I recall you saying you needed to take a little bit of a Twitter break. Yeah, around no, no, that. Time. I, I came and hung out on Facebook for a bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think what I did was I tweeted out um, uh, 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 Taylor Swift singing "Shake It Off," and then I just <laughs> took my dog for a walk. And mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's really important to remember that. You know, I remember this is before I became a politician, my daughter was away in Montreal at the university at the time. And she sent me a note. She said, the person you're fighting with on Twitter has three followers. Stop and it. Stop it. So I love that she's monitoring that, though. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> she's she's 22 and she's very smart. Yes. Um, she's giving you guidance. Oh, yeah. She's probably no, she's probably up on all the memes. Yes, she's up on she's 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 my she's my meme guru. <laughs> Um, and my, you know, um, she makes, she makes sure that, that, um, that I say, you know, that I use people's pronouns properly Mm, and that, and that I understand, you know, all the jokes Mm. and, uh, (laughs) she's made my gift game stronger. And so. (laughs) You have good gift game for a senator. (laughs) Well, you know, so so having a, having a 22 year old, she's off to law school in the fall and then I suppose she'll have serious and important things to think about. (laughs) No, you'll always be, she'll always be checking. (laughs) Little reminders. Um, so I always thought it was amazing how you live tweeted, you know, all of these issues, um, as a journalist and, and now into, um, the Senate as well. What, uh, did you, did you ever talk to anyone before you went into Senate? You know, is this allowed? Am I allowed? (laughs) I worked with a great journalist at the CBC years ago, Ruth Anderson, who said to me, it's easier to get forgiveness than permission. So, uh, good advice. (laughs) So what happened? I mean, when I started off in the Senate, my, 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 my. Initial tweets are things like, oh, here I am at the Elgin Street Diner and my husband is eating a giant plate of poutine. Uh, you know, oh, here I am at the shawarma palace eating a giant piece of shawarma. <laughs> it so it was, it was a little bit, you know, you will appreciate this because you're a foodie. Yes. I mean, it was a lot of things I was eating in Ottawa. Um, <laughs> Sounds great. Start a blog. <laughs> and, and then we got to the post office debate. And I have to say, like, lots of things that go on in the Senate are really not interesting to normal human beings. <laughs> but the post office debate really was because mm-hmm. everybody in Canada – had an opinion and a say in this, you know, uh, because the question was, we're coming up to Christmas. Is it appropriate for the government to order the postal workers to end a rotating strike because it's Christmas and businesses need to send out their things and grannies need to send out their parcels? Mm-hmm. Or do we respect the fact that Canadians have a right to strike as upheld by the Supreme Court? Mm-hmm. And this was a really, really interesting debate within the Senate with really smart people Um you know, brilliant colleagues uh, having this debate and this discussion. And I was sitting there and I thought, I am not nearly as smart about labor law mm-hmm. or um, uh, labor rights as many of the people in this room. Uh, I don't run a small business. Uh, I hardly use Canada Post anymore. Mm-hmm. And I thought there are so many interesting arguments in here and people should be hearing this. And mm-hmm. so I started live tweeting. I started live tweeting when we did, um, you know, we had uh, – People come in to testify on the Saturday, Mm -hmm. the CEO of the post office and the head of the Postal Workers Union, and I live tweeted their testimony and the questions the senators had for them, and there was quite a lot of response. That was the Saturday. Mm -hmm. We came back on Monday and had a whole day of debate, and I live tweeted the whole thing 
interspersing my recaps of the debates right. with my own colorful commentary, colorful commentary, <laughs> and, and my own soul searching, my own admission that I didn't know yeah, how to you vote. Were learning this is fascinating, and, and yeah. I really didn't have a made up opinion. You know, I didn't have my mind made up about how I was going to mm-hmm. vote until right at the end. And people said to me afterwards, well, you know, well, how could you have been paying attention if you were live tweeting? And I said, no, no, no. I paid more attention than anybody. Mm-hmm. I was the only person who stayed in the Senate chamber the entire <laughs> debate. And in fact, I missed dinner. They brought in sandwiches and fruit plate right. and hummus. And by the time by the time it all ended and I got back there, there was just sort of like the curled up kale. Right. Uh, <laughs> Did you scoop that up? <laughs> oh, I can't stand that's the that's the debate but that's the pushback that I had convincing reporters to tweet because they kept saying well I need to pay attention you know at this or that and I'm saying no but you pay more attention when you're also sharing it publicly because you don't want to get anything wrong you don't want to get anything wrong and and you're and you're processing your brain your, your brain is working yes. because I'm I'm not gonna lie some of those Senate debates they go very late and people talk for a long time mm-hmm. and it's a little you know, you can drift off. I don't mean fall asleep. I haven't fallen asleep yet, right. thank God. But it's now not that always riveting. But it's not always riveting. <laughs> it, it isn't always riveting. And you know, I learned this a long time ago covering city council and school board debates. <laughs> you know, if you want to stay awake you, and stay focused, really listen and process. It's all really interesting. <laughs> and and in all honesty, it really helped me to decide how to vote. I mean, it was an important vote. And really listening hard to people and recapping their arguments. And doing it in a in as transparent and nonpartisan as a way as I could because mm-hmm. I think independent. I think it would be problematic if I were sitting in there being really snarky about yeah. other senators. But I tried to be just as transparent as if I were a reporter. Yeah. Um, and people loved it. And my Twitter followers went way up. All of these people who are not from Edmonton yeah. discovered me, and I got yeah. I got interviewed by all these Ottawa. You know, this is this is the sad, humbling <laughs> thing in Edmonton. You know, I was an award-winning, and I was an award-winning journalist. An God award dang it! I had lots of lots of awards, lots of big stories. Her stories have changed lives. <laughs> yeah, in Toronto and Ottawa, people didn't know Nobody, who I was. Yeah. No, no, I, no idea, <laughs> no idea. I'm from Edmonton. I might as well have Small been fry. from the dark side of the moon. Yeah. So people are like, so this is amazing. How long have you been at this Twitter thing? Yeah. And you're like, so oh. so all these Ottawa this is innovative. Yes, yeah. it is though, isn't it? Like it is innovative. Yeah. No one has ever done this no from the Senate floor before. That's what and I mean. yeah. you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a little bit worried when I go back to the <laughs> Senate because, as I say, I got myself. In, yes. I'm in the doghouse right now. Yes. I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, folks, but uh, I'm in the doghouse right now in the <laughs> Stay Senate. Tuned for the result. So you know, <laughs> I'm a little bit worried. What if they say to me, you know, you can't do you that anymore? Put away your phone. Uh, that would make me super, super sad. But I think it would also be a mistake. It's I a think. Service, I, think. I think lots of people don't know the first thing about what the Senate is or what it does. And I think. I'm raising I th- my hand. And I think in Alberta, <laughs> people really don't know what the Senate is and what it does. Right. And I think you help with that. I think I am performing a public service. <laughs> and that is what you will stand by. <laughs> If you were taken before the court, <laughs> that's right. If, no, I would have to. I would be taken to the bar and have to apologize to the speaker. Oh, there, no. I mean, there, there are many. There, are, you know, I, I said, I said to our our advisor, I said, "What's the worst that could happen to me?" He said, "Well, you could go to jail. Oh that's that's the ultimate penalty." I said, "Well, it'd be kind of great to be the first senator who went to jail for telling for the truth tweet. about what happened in a meeting." Yeah. Uh, but that's what you'll go down for. But you know, my daughter said to me, "How long do you think you'd last in a women's prison?" And I said, I would do great. I would be like Conrad Black when he went to prison. I'd be like the jailhouse lawyer. I would tell right. all the women's stories. Yes. 
she she was dubious Make about my the theory. Library. Yeah, <laughs> no. So I am attempting. I, I'm used to being in Twitter jail. I would like to not be in real, in jail. real jail. Yeah. So there's a there's a balance that you're gonna have to. Find. Yes, I'm working at finding ba- balance. Is not really my middle name. I'm <laughs> I'm working on that. Um, <laughs> have you? I guess throughout all of this. So something I found actually working in social media for media, um, it might be different now. But when I was doing it, there was no strategy. There was <laughs> what's, the so- what's the social media strategy? <laughs> Right? I'm sharing trade secrets. <laughs> we didn't know. We didn't know what we were posting the next day. No, next well, I mean, it's really funny because, you know, you asked. I, mean, I It took my editors, I think, a long time to catch up with what I was doing. And then, you know, like I started using Facebook Live and I got, no, no, you can't use Facebook Live. It's like, I said, why not? Well, we want to monetize your videos on YouTube. So I was never allowed to do hardly Facebook Live at the journal. It made me super sad. Um, So that said, I need to do more Facebook Live from the Senate. I haven't done that yet. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, That will also be new. New, new. I don't think anybody's done Facebook Live. I'm going to say no. um, No. So... Wait, you had a question, and then I went off on no, some like rabbit hole story. tangent. I think you were trying to say that there's no plan, but you. <laughs> <laughs> no. So does the Senate? The Senate has. The Senate actually has a great comms department, mm-hmm. and they're so excited to have me because they're like, "Look, we can make <laughs> your someone's do- interested. Somebody's and- interested." They were like, "Hey, Senator, would would you like come and do a, a silly video at Christmas time where you sing fractured Christmas carols?" And I was like, "Sure, I would do that. Yeah. I, I will do this. Yeah. I will do all the things. I will create the content." <laughs> so, I think they they're like. They're like little kids who just got a puppy. I'm the puppy. They're like, well, what can we do? What can we make the puppy do? Can the puppy go through the tube? Right? We think well, the puppy can go through the tube. <laughs> <laughs> it's those little wins. So from a company perspective, I find that it's always um, so – it's so great when you can even just get one person to be like, oh – I took a picture of this because I thought of you and I thought you might need this yeah, on social you know, media. Yeah. That's, that's right. Because because they, they like to send out every month, you know, what are senators doing? <laughs> they're like, oh, thanks. Thanks to, you know, thanks. Thanks, B. Because Paula Simons takes pictures on purpose and Everything. then sends them to Senate comms and says, and you can put them in. eating. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so I'm. They, you know, as they I say, they have a plan. They, they have a plan. They're now, working with. Now, the, you know, as I say, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble with, with the conservative senators at the moment. But the Senate comms people, yes. I'm, I'm their pet yes. of, of the moment now. Um, I, we'll see. We'll, <laughs> we'll see. see how about that. But strategy wise for you, or plan wise for you, at the journal as a journalist, did you have a social media plan that you were working off of, or it was really just go? <laughs> It was all carefully mapped out. I had a five-year plan, a ten-year plan. No. Um, sarcasm you were talking that's about. Right. So, no, I didn't – you know, I I was lucky. I mean, I did have people like Trisha Dett and Carrie Powell right. and um, Carson, Carson Jarama, yeah. uh, David Johnson. I mean, I had some smart social media Nudges. people yeah. Yeah, who, who really helped me uh, because, really, I was the oldest woman on Twitter. And so uh, I had I – had, younger mentors who who taught me what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember one of them saying, well, like, you're the same age as my mom. I'm like, shut up. That is not. <laughs> don't mention that again. <laughs> don't mention that again. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. Yeah. So. <laughs> mean girls. So, so, <laughs> my, my, my favorite meme. So, uh, so no, I, I wish I had a strategy, except, you know, when I got there, I, 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 
I told this story in a, in a column I wrote for the Ottawa Citizen uh, one of the first weeks I was flying back from Ottawa. There was a woman sitting beside me, and she wasn't, you know, she was like a businesswoman traveling on business. She'd been at a conference, and we're sitting on the plane, and I said, oh, so what brought you to Ottawa? And she told me, and she said, what brought you to Ottawa? And I was like fake shy. I was like, oh, well, you know, I have this exciting new job. <laughs> she said, oh, what's your new job? I'm like, yes, that's right. You're supposed to ask me. Good, good, good. And I said, well, you know, I'm a senator. And she said, a senator? I didn't know Canada had a Senate. I thought that was only in America. Yeah. So really people, I, I, and I realized in that moment, it it is important that I do this so that people know. What I hadn't counted on is that it's been very useful when people have come after me politically because, you know, I went to the Senate perhaps a bit naively as an independent senator. I'm nonpartisan. I'm not there to play party politics. But there are people who are there to play party politics. Right. And so it's given me a great sort of defense mechanism when people say things, I can answer. And when the person who's attacking you has a thousand Twitter followers and you have <clears throat> closing in on 50, uh, thousand, no, it's four, 48,000. <laughs> but, um, so you know, more than, more than anyone in Edmonton, possibly. I don't No, no, I think Don Iveson has more. Oh, OK. Sorry. Outside of the mayor. <laughs> yeah. Don, I Don Iveson has more. Um, I used to have this Twitter rivalry with Jim Matheson, the journal's mm, great hockey yep. writer. And um, then you're completely, he's left in the dust now, right? Well, you know, we, 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 but we used to like, Jim's very competitive. So, uh, and so we, we used to, you know, jock, jockey for who had the most Twitter followers. Um, and it's quality followers, though. That's quality, important, quality, too. Everyone you know. who's following you. Well, it, it is interesting because I've picked up a lot of Twitter followers since since joining the Senate. Senate yeah. The downside of that is that people in Edmonton who disliked what I stood for, mm -hmm. they knew where I stood, right? Yeah. So after a while, they got tired of being mad at me because... They're just like, all right, fine. Well, fine, whatever, that's what she thinks. <laughs> I guess she's not getting off Twitter anytime no. soon. <laughs> so now, now I've picked up a bunch of new fans and followers. I've also picked up a bunch of new... Haters. Uh, new haters. You know, new haters, um, mm -hmm. some of whom Critics. are some of whom are cruel, some of whom are trolls yep. and, and awful, and some of whom are just you know highly critical. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting. Um, Is that changing how you, you know, well, tweet or consider tweeting? Uh, what I've realized is that some people that. Um, don't say what their party affiliation is in their Twitter handle. We're actually, you know, it's like the horror story. It's coming from inside the house. <laughs> and so, some of those people were actually staffers for other senators who were attacking me on Twitter. Mm. And I thought, well, that, so that's interesting. That that's, is a strategy. <laughs> that is that is a strategy. That is a strategy. Not the recommended strategy. <laughs> you know, uh, if you think it's a good use of your staff time mm -hmm. to pay your staffers to troll me on Twitter, uh, that's certainly your prerogative mm -hmm. as a senator. Um, I have great staff who are not trolling people on Twitter. No. That is not, you know. Hey, Cynthia, if you're listening to this. Shout out. Shout out to <laughs> Cynthia. My super, super. My, my, I have I have so far only hired one person because she's so fabulous. I haven't okay. hired a second one you yet. So my one. staff, my staff, which is Cynthia. Uh, <laughs> Cynthia is not wasting her time. Attacking other senators, other senators on Twitter. Yeah. She is, she's doing. She's being productive. She's being productive. You're helping Albertans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah. She's actually, you know, um, taking phone calls from people who are concerned mm -hmm. about bills yes. and answering letters and setting up 
uh, meetings, and that is what you, the taxpayer, are paying Cynthia to do yes. and not to troll. Not to troll people on Twitter. So. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's wild. Okay, so we're going to take another ad break, and then we'll uh, we'll come back with a few more questions. Um, yeah, I think this has been really interesting, though. I hope you've all been interested. <laughs> You're all interested, right? Now remember to go rate those five stars. <laughs> and follow me at politics. That's P-A-U-L-A-T-I-C-S. That is correct. And that's how you say it. Do you get it? Because it's Paula. She wrote about politics. She's in politics. Politics. Okay, anyways. Ad break. <laughs> this episode of Don't Call Me a Guru is brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation is a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group. Once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. You can learn more at ecfoundation.org. All right, we are back talking to Senator Paula Simons. And just a, just a few more questions. I think now trying to just bring it back to maybe the the type of audience who typically listens to this podcast, though I'm sure you might, you know, hi, trolls. If <laughs> you might have, we might have new listeners <laughs> because of you. <laughs> oh, imagine. Imagine if some poor Senate staffer is having to, listen to, listen, to listen to this. Apart from Cynthia, who I know is listening because she loves me. but <laughs> Willingly listening, yes. Um, so just trying to tie it back to, you know, social media professionals, people who are doing social media for organizations or maybe helping um, their CEO with social media, that sort of thing. I guess what advice um, can you share uh, with with your experience as both a journalist and now in the Senate with how you've used social media? Um, what advice would you share uh, for different topics? So I'll ask you. So, uh, so I think authenticity, first yeah. of all. I think it's really problematic to have other people tweeting for you. And I'll tell you a story. I, I won't say who this person is, um, but I bumped into an Alberta politician getting on the plane the other day mm -hmm. who said to me, do you remember a couple of years ago you wrote a column about something I'd said on Twitter and you said in the column that you were really surprised because you thought better of me than that? And this person said, I just want you to know that that wasn't me, that it was a 19-year-old staffer, oh, and man. I was always really grateful that you recognized that that was out of character for me to have said that, but I was never able to tell you because I didn't want to throw the staffer under the bus. Right. So it is very dangerous to let other people tweet in your name. You have to have a lot of trust in someone to do that. It's one thing to tweet as a brand, yep. to be like an anonymous brand tweeter, but if you, if you you're, are the brand. But if you're pretending that that's you and you're letting somebody else say it. Take your voice. Take your You put yourself at risk. I mean, at least when I screw up, that's me. I mean, if I say something really dumb on Twitter, that's not Cynthia. That's me. It's so, me, yeah. uh, so, you know, be very careful about that. Um, I think that... Um, uh, advice for dealing with, you know, trolls or negativity. Address, you know, don't let them do do as I say, not as I do. Don't <laughs> don't don't let them pull you down to their level. Mm -hmm. You have to remain above the fray. You have to remain civil. You can't sometimes going for the jugular <laughs> is not worth, you know, the game is not worth the candle. Um and I would say, you know, when it comes to Facebook, so many people I think just post stuff like information like it's a bulletin board. That is not what Facebook is for. Mm -hmm. Facebook is for storytelling and for conversation. So if you want to be promoting your brand, your product, your not-for-profit group, your business, you need to engage people on Facebook. 
ask them questions, have conversations, have contests, have giveaways, have mm-hmm. polls. I mean, do something that gets them that, interacting. Yeah, exactly. And and makes them want to like and share your content. Because if all you're doing, I mean, I've seen this with That's everything from, you know, from restaurants to community leagues to big corporations. Mm-hmm. If you just post it and then you go away, that is not useful. Um, <laughs> I mean, the whole point of this is it's not a static bulletin board. Yes. It is an interactive forum. And if you're not there to interact, then you're just like shouting into the void. You know, the only way you build a community of people who come back to your Facebook page again and again and again mm-hmm. is if you keep them interested and engaged and entertained. Absolutely. What about advice for um, the skeptics or the social media specialists who have to convince skeptics within their organization, why social media? Why should you be on it? What's the value? Well, you know, I mean, back in the day, people had to be convinced to get telephones and television sets. <laughs> I mean, are there are there toxic, noxious, awful things about social media? Yes. I mean, Twitter can be an absolute cesspit. Mm-hmm. And I, cesspool? Definitely cesspool, cesspool, but, cesspool but I like, you know, you, cess- we can create words cesspit. on a podcast. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a cesspit. It's a cesspit. That's what we're going with. It's a snake pit that's in a cesspool. Gonna, that's it's what we're going to tweet. <laughs> and then people are going to be like, wait a minute. <laughs> so, you know, I understand the hesitance because it, it can be really ugly. And, you know, I don't, it's not for the faint of heart if you're going to be doing something that's controversial. Mm-hmm. But, um you know, and it's not going to be the right fit for everybody. Not every brand should be on Twitter. But if you want to know what people are saying about your product, if you want to know if people are saying, oh, I went to the restaurant and the service was terrible. Oh, you know, <laughs> I, I went to the tire shop and they, you know, they made me wait four hours. Right. Um, if you want to be able to to be proactive, yeah. to to deal with criticism in a timely fashion. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, you need, you need to be there. And, you, you know, it's just... When my daughter was small and she wondered, what was I doing spending all my time? And I would say, I'm feeding my goldfish. <laughs> so that's the thing. I mean, a, you know, your your Twitter is – you're feeding the goldfish. You're weeding the garden. You have you have to maintain it and you have to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that's really frustrating I think for me as a consumer or a customer or a client is if you've set up a Facebook page – and the last post is from 2015. Is your restaurant still open? Is that still your menu? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have a Twitter account. Like, why is this even here? If yeah. Not? yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> if you're not going to maintain it, just like, please make it go away. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, if you have false information out there, old information, uh, that's not useful to anybody. If I want your store hours, they'd better make be. Make sure they're up to yeah, date. Make, their up, make sure they're up to date. So, you know, uh, and if you're trying to you know, do work for a not-for-profit, for a community group. Again, you know, you have to make sure that you're there tending tending the garden because otherwise uh, people don't think that's a reliable source of information. And if you want to make yourself the go-to spot for information about whatever it is that you are marketing, mm-hmm. um, you can't – it's not just a one-time thing. Did you find, especially as a journalist, um, you know, as a nonprofit or community group or business, now social media allows them more direct access to reporters and colonists and and that sort of thing. So is there an opportunity for them there? Absolutely, because you have to understand what's happened to newsrooms. When I started at the Edmonton Journal um, 23 years ago and a bit. um, (laughs) But you're only 20. Yeah. (laughs) 
I was very young. I would just like to state this. I was a child prodigy. Um, the building was full to the gunnels, right? I mean, yes. there were so many people in the newsroom that you couldn't have your own desk. Mm-hmm. Like you'd work at the desk during the day and then the night Someone shift would come in. It. You know, yeah. I mean, so many reporters, hundreds of reporters, and now there are about a dozen. Yeah. And so the days when you could send a press release and expect reporters to come to your press conference, they are done. They are over. Um no newsroom in Alberta has the staff to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we no news every event. No newsroom, yeah. and and you know, and if your event is not useful, yeah, nobody wants to be there. Mm-hmm. So you absolutely in a time when newsrooms are shrinking, when television, radio, newspapers are all under extraordinary economic pressures, uh, you have to be much more proactive in reaching out, building relationships mm-hmm. with reporters. Um, uh, building relationships, uh, you know, it, with the advertising departments. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I mean, the good and the bad about Twitter is that it democratizes all of this. You know, so democracy can lead to mob rule. Democracy can also empower people who otherwise never had a voice. I mean, one right. of the really exciting things about Twitter, um, you know, all the fabulous indigenous women that I follow on Twitter who would otherwise never have had an audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and suddenly, no, no yeah. you know, so suddenly you can have these people um, who can who can speak out? Uh, you know, someone like Bashir Muhammad, uh, oh, you know, his, you know, a young story, yeah. uh, Som- Somali Canadian activist writer um, has been able to, you know, really provoke important community conversations. He would never have had a voice that otherwise. Is. And you know, and Kathleen Smith, Kiki Planet, mm-hmm. right? You know, as a stay at home mom of a of a little girl because her daughter was quite young at the time she started on social media. Uh, you know, sh- she she parlayed her social media platform into now, you know, she's on, you know, she's invited to to panels at the Jasper Park Lodge to talk about social media. Absolutely. We, yeah. we were on that panel together. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's powerful. It's it's absolutely so powerful. powerful. I mean, yeah. so, you know, I mean, you can you can weaponize it in all kinds of ways to to really get your voice heard, especially if you come from a community of people who have traditionally uh, been marginalized and disempowered. I mean, here is here is your opportunity. The trick is, you know, it's like walking through a beautiful prairie field in the springtime and there are crocuses and there are pussy willows and there are cow pies. Uh, so you don't step in the cow pies. Oh, and then there might be an angry bull at the other end of the field. So, you know, uh, Twitter can be a fabulous place and it can be a snake pit, a cesspool, a cesspit, a cesspit. A cesspit. <laughs> um, Final advice uh, pertaining to that innovative side. You know, you're you're the first senator to do this. You were sort of the first columnist to do that, at least in Edmonton, for example. What is your advice for companies or social media specialists when it comes to how they might innovate or how they might try new things? I think that, you know, we have not properly explored. I wanted to do this at the journal, and I, I really tried uh, with a colleague who then went off to theater school. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I wanted to do like a serialized novel on Twitter, like a play in real time. I mean, I think people could be much more playful with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Creative. You know, you know, I mean, I think there's a huge opportunity for that that no one is really properly exploiting. Um, I think that there are opportunities to really talk to people, to make those Connections. I mean, if you want word of mouth, there's your word of mouth. I mean, the challenge is, you know, something negative about you can get swept up and people go, <laughs> so, you know, uh, but it, 
like if you don't know what people are talking about you behind your back, you better you better go look. Mm-hmm. You better go look. You better go look. Um, Instagram. You're not. Are, are you just starting? <clears throat> uh, my dog is on Instagram. <laughs> I decided um, this is was long before I came to the Senate that um, I I got a new dog and she was the most adorable puppy in the world. So just to be clear, so she has. And I, and I realized I feel like other dog owners are going to fight you on that. Um, side, but. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know I was I was putting a lot of pictures of her on on my private Facebook page and I yeah. thought really not everybody is so interested in my dog so uh, she has her own Facebook her own Instagram. Instagram she has her own Instagram you want to shout out to us um, it's Issa of Edmonton <laughs> um, and it is pictures of my dog nice. um, and Issa goes all kinds of places because I take her to festivals I oh, take her to parks lovely. and you know so here's Issa at the Fringe here's oh, Issa lovely. walking you know down 124th Street here's Issa at 118th Avenue at you know yeah. at, at, uh, at one of the 118th Avenue festivals like, uh, you know so that's the extent of your Instagramming yeah yes yeah and I'm not I mean Issa is Issa, 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 yes. Issa, is, Issa is on Instagram yes but not you uh, in theory in theory no um Final, what's your favorite social network <laughs> and why? I mean, I feel like we can guess. But. Oh, it's still Twitter. I mean, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Facebook. Facebook is good for many, many, many things. Sorry, Facebook including, community. You in, mean nothing to Paula. Including, <laughs> like, people, lots of people want to be, like, my personal Facebook friend. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, like, we, we, we have a boundary. Yeah. And mostly my personal Facebook is is primarily useful for organizing dim sum because uh, – <laughs> Jews and Chinese food go together, and so there ca- there cannot be a Simon's family function that doesn't involve the ingestion of some kind of Asian cuisine. Yes, so, um, so you know, I, I use I use Facebook a, a lot to organize. Also, my my waspy husband, he, his family likes Chinese food too. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the number of the number of dim sum events that are organized on my Facebook page would make the people at Cha for Tea very happy. Oh, I love Cha for Tea. They are not an they are not a sponsor. Okay, also the Golden Rice Bowl very happy and also them. and also Good the jumbo. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Please tweet us your favorite. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not allowed as a senator to endorse any company or product. So I would just like like to say that you know, tasty noodle also very good. You know, tasty noodle is actually the same as the cha for TBS. I know. You would know. Sorry. And now I, I have to I have to leave you, good listeners, because I must pick my daughter up yes, from work so she can timing. tell me so she can tell me all the things I've done wrong today. <laughs> Thank you so much, Senator, for coming on. Don't call me a guru. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back again next month with uh, with an episode. And do if you are not following her already, uh, follow politics on Twitter. And you can be follow me on you can be my Facebook friend at at Senator Paula Simons. Yes, but. You know, not her personal Facebook. No, <laughs> unless, unless you're picking up the check for the dumplings. <laughs> Thank you, Paula. The podcast you are listening to today was produced by Matt Matischuk at the Nate Radio and Television Studios. The music bed for this episode was produced with the help of Doug Hoyer. The logo for Don't Call Me a Guru was designed with the help of graphic designer Rory Lee. Don't Call Me a Guru is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. Hold up.